There was British Cave Diving Associations that had a whole um, organisation here getting equipment. You know, loads of people um, put loads of their own time and money in, into this rescue. And there was lots of Thai people that helped as well. So I don't want to spoil the film for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Hello and welcome to Brood in Bangkok. This is Siddhant. We have a very special episode for you today as I had the opportunity to speak to Grace Robinson, one of the producers of The Cave. The Cave is a movie about the cave rescue mission that took place in 2018 when a young football team got lost and they and their coach were stranded in this cave. Uh, it took a, a fair few weeks, a lot, of a lot of research, a lot of rescuers from around the world came by. Everyone had to put their heads together and try to find a way to get these kids out of the cave. It was a very up and down roller coaster of an event that gripped the nation of Thailand. It was spoken about everywhere, in schools, offices, you name it. In fact, uh, the story caught on across the world and it was one of those events that really brought people together because miraculously all the boys were saved. Uh, there were some tragic losses along the way. One of the Thai Navy divers passed away in a rescue attempt. And uh, you can watch the entire story in this movie and get all the necessary context and I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, Grace herself has had a very different trajectory from a lot of people that we meet in expat life here in Thailand. She uh, visited Thailand on a gap year after school and proceeded to study Thai culture in, in university in the UK where she's from and really gain an appreciation for it through studying the language and speaking to people in the speaking to Thai expats in the UK and she actually spent a semester in Chiang Mai University and spoke Thai and you can see through her career that she's actually gone from being an outsider who is interested in the culture to sort of an insider by spending time with the language speaking to the people she's had many jobs that many of us would not have had access to because of our limitations and the podcast is a very ex exciting and interesting journey with Grace through her career. And just seeing how the, the, the need for discovery or the, the curiosity about another culture can really lead you to some very, very impressive and interesting opportunities in your life. So listen to this podcast and do go watch The Cave. It's out in, this November in uh, cinema, SF City Cinemas, if I'm correct, across Thailand. And yeah, go watch The Cave and enjoy the podcast. So you're from the UK, right? Yes, that's right, from the north of, northwest of England. Okay, that's better, because what happens is the UK is such a nebulous concept today now. Like, we have to start being a little bit more uh, uh, specific. So from the northwest of yeah. England, where mm -hmm. which, which uh, town, city... Uh, Lancaster, it's a university town, historic city. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah, near the Lake District. Oh, so, yeah, okay. it's a nice part of the world. A bit quiet for me to stay in too long, but it's nice to go and visit. Ah, sounds good. So, yeah. uh, so you grew up there, you went to school there? Yes, pretty much that area. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what were the kind of things that you used to get up to when you were younger? What was, what is a place thing or place thing or profession you were interested in so is this like work or no, it could be anything really uh what what were the kind of things that what what's a, what aside from like the historic sites of uh, the lake district and stuff what are the yeah. kind of things that you could do in lancaster that you used to get up to 
yeah young people i guess his um young people don't really get that involved in the historic things yeah i guess yeah. they like to socialize yeah. shopping and partying and trying to get away um uh, push boundaries with mum and dad um, <laughs> mainly going to parties which i did a lot of but i did still concentrate at school and i did still get good grades at school so okay survived <laughs> off to a good start i guess uh, yeah. so uh, how did thailand enter the picture then cutting straight to it Sure. Yeah, so I went to Thailand the first time kind of like a lot of people do I guess on the backpacker route. Yeah. I was on the way to Australia and um I took a stopover in Thailand and a plan with like two months free to travel there. Um my grandmother's actually Burmese so I did know about that part of the world already but I didn't know very much. I was only 18. Um so I didn't go to Burma yet. I just went to Thailand and just completely fell in love with it. Um and then I went to Australia. This was with a friend and then we we've been in Australia a couple of days and then the tsunami happened. Okay. And then we were watching all that unfold on the news and it was really heartbreaking because we'd literally just been on the islands like a few days ago. Um so that's my first experience was as a tourist, I guess. Wow, and that's pretty lucky as well, you know. just not yeah, being just days away from a really really big disaster in the in the last 20 years of thai uh, well of thailand in general and asia as well so uh, so you traveled a lot after that or did you just australia and then back to the uk yeah so i went i lived and worked in australia and then i went to south america and spent a few months there um and i was really wondering because this was a gap year after doing a levels at school in the uk um to kind of find out what i wanted to study at uni and i was planning to do um primary school teaching a degree in and then i when i was in south america i was searching courses and i saw that at leeds uni you could do thai and southeast asian studies Um so I actually applied to do that course. Um and that course was like 3 years in Leeds and 1 year studying at Chiang Mai University. So that's what I went to do after traveling. Okay. So uh how how is a program like this structured? What is the kind of stuff that they tell you and like what are the kind of things that you're studying? for the uninitiated. Yeah, so it's absolutely fascinating for me. I like my uni days were like some of the happiest days of my life. So it it so it's in the East Asian department. So you do study modules um such as history, politics, geography, economics to do with East Asia as a wider region. Um and then there's a, there is a focus on Southeast Asia and then they allow you to choose a language um to go with the the other module so you can choose Thai, Chinese, um or Japanese. So I decided to do it with Thai. So it was Southeast Asian studies and Thai. Uh my degree and um So yeah like I said you do a lot of background and the history and politics of the region and then you do an intensive language study as well. So the first year is at, at the University of Leeds. Um it's run by Dr. Martin Seeger um and Ning Seeger who who are amazing. They started the program there so you do the first year in Leeds then the second year they have an affiliation with Chiang Mai University module in the humanities department so then you go to live in Chiang Mai for a year. you study thai for a year you do um some subjects with thai students then you return to leeds and you do two more years and graduate okay wow so you get one year where you kind of get introduced to the region and uh, the history and things like that as a whole and yeah. uh, does does the thai language start right away or do you does that come later when you went to chiang mai Yes, it does start right away in the first year. Um so and then the way we're taught to learn Thai is um we are we're not it's not phonetic so we are taught the Thai alphabet system and the um the, the vowels. Uh, Martin has this amazing magic key to help you kind of figure out how to work out the tones, you know, with the consonants, vowels and the tone markers. So you start straight away and they try to teach you it I don't know if it's similar to children at Thai school but they do start with the gokai kokai like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so how what was that like cuz now you're learning a foreign language but you're not in the country and you're quite far removed from it in fact. So what is that like because 
there's no immersion here and there's like not enough i'm assuming native speakers for you to interact with at this point well, I think most of the people that did my course, um, they'd already lived in Thailand or been or visited it, fallen in love with it. So they really were passionate about learning the language, even though they were in Leeds. And also at Leeds, there's quite a lot of Thai um, students doing masters and PhDs. Um, so there is a, a bit of a community there um, that you can practice with. So even though it was in the UK, and yes, you couldn't walk out on you know, and buy street food and practice your Thai. Um, I think it, people are passionate about it and, and the small community helps as well. Okay. So, uh, so you got, you got your introduction and you got some of the, you had to learn this alphabet and start speaking. How did it ma- measure up? How did your language skills measure up when you actually made it to Chiang Mai and had a chance to try it out? Yeah, I guess that's where it really took off, actually, because, yes, being in the country, that is where you're really going to learn. Um, so I I think when you learn a language, you need to be a little bit fearless and you can't be scared of being embarrassed. So sometimes I would be speaking to people and I know that I was not, you know, forming the sentences correctly, but... I think that's the only way to learn by speaking. So yeah, being in the country was a lot, um, you know, a lot more beneficial for learning the language because okay. we were just seeing it all around us. So it was so exciting when you could actually read menus when you go out to eat and and like read signposts. So okay, it was great. Right. So actually, uh, what I really found interesting about this is that you. Uh, when you were in Thailand, you visited which places? Where, where did you start off? You flew into Bangkok, I'm assuming. So is this when I was studying there? Yeah, before, or, or... Yeah, before you were studying there. So you flew in, uh, you flew into yeah. Bangkok, and then what did you visit? What, which kind of? I think I did, did the typical routes like Kanchanaburi, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, um, Phuket, and got some Muay got Tao. Okay. All of the typical tourist hotspots. Yeah. But you, you didn't go to Chiang Mai though. Uh, yeah, I did go. Oh, you did go. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, how what was it like to live in Chiang Mai? Because uh, we speak to all kinds of people here, but uh, I, I don't actually have a good enough idea of what Chiang Mai is like. I haven't visited either. I, I'm planning to go at the end of the year. So I think I'd like to kind of get an understanding of what your time in Chiang Mai was like, like just living there for a while. Sure. Yeah, I would definitely recommend you to get to Chiang Mai um, and experience it. But I'd also say I think it's changed so much because okay. um, I was I've been there, you know, this is over 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So when I was at uni there, it was about t- over 10 years ago um, and, and it's changed so much. Um, okay. It's changing all the time. Um, but like so it's quite different to Bangkok. So the skyline is lower. You know, there, there aren't as many high-rise buildings. It is has got a slower pace of life. Um, people say it's more friendly, more laid back. Um, it's great because you can go into the mountains as well um, and waterfalls, things like that. People say it's a cheaper place to live, which it probably is. Yeah, probably um, is. And I absolutely loved it there. I think it's got quite an alternative vibe. There's quite a lot of artists and craftspeople so it's got a bit more of a hippie vibe and yeah, I just, it was a great place to study. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that's always, it's always nice to hear. And, you know, they say that it's changed a lot and I feel like it's, a, it's, it's hard to list out all the things that it's changed, uh, that have changed there. Though, what is the thing that strikes you the most? Like, what do you think has genuinely, absolutely changed in your opinion? Um, I think since I, before, when I lived there, there were two shopping malls. There was like Garson Gell and Gatson Gell and, um, Airport Plaza. And now I think there's maybe 10 shopping malls. Um, so it was quite nice in the past because it didn't have that, you know, like Bangkok does. Um, and I think that's increased the traffic. Uh, and I think it had a nice charm, you know, with more street markets and a little bit more traditional Thai city, I guess, compared to modern Bangkok. So I guess that's changed. There's a lot of um, tourists now as well. Um, Nimmin Heyman, um used to be quite cool. And I think now it's a bit 
jaded maybe it's too it's too busy you know areas get popular yeah. really cool and then they get overrun with too many tourists and it's it like loses the charm the of usual it usual saturation kind of problem where it's yeah. not anyone's fault really it's just that it kind of this is how these things progress i suppose you could say that's progress progress yeah, yeah with air quotes for everybody yeah, listening exactly <laughs> but uh i mean it, at some point uh you'd expect the prosperity if we will of thailand to sort of spread out in different ways it's turning into this sign of idea of modernity and the mall is always a big symbol of that so i i mean i'm seeing malls in places i just didn't think there would be one and i'm not making a judgment i'm just like i'm trying to understand why that is but i also i get why that is i'm just trying to understand why that is if that makes sense you know uh sure. like if you drive through some of these places which i mean i have on a couple of road trips and you think okay this is just going to be a really small town with a few thousand people and then it kind of you can't can't see it coming but then you get past it oh there's a mall oh there's a square oh there's like a multiplex and uh having lived in like other countries you kind of expect it in sort of uh, uh the developed countries as they've been classified but not so much here and i think they stand out so much more right like it just breaks breaks the facade or breaks the the way things look there's sudden giant gleaming metal structure out of behind these old buildings right uh so that's that's pretty interesting uh how how do you feel about um people moving to thailand and especially to a place like chiang mai and changing the culture of it you know like it's becoming much more international right yeah but i don't necessarily think that's the people that are moving there i think that's that's um thai people themselves you know it's and the malls are much more beautiful and you know stunning in thailand than in the uk so i'd say asia's at the forefront of of that type of um facility or or outlet whatever you want to call it so um yeah that, that makes sense i think it's cuz it's just yeah. a good place for people to meet up and escape the elements cuz that's always the thing right it's either too hot or too rainy most of the time so you want to be inside not outside yeah it's very convenient i guess with the elements and you can drive there yeah you don't have to be out in the pollution or the uh yeah or the heat and things like that the pollution huh that's something that's yeah. changing in a big way around here i've heard Yeah so so Grace uh, you actually got to spend a lot of time amongst uh the Chiang the people of Chiang Mai with the in the community and things like that uh how did how did university get you to do this or was this something that you did on your own Yeah so one um thing because obviously as well we were studying Thai language at um Chiang Mai University but everyone speaks northern Thai there is you know the local dialect so that yeah. was something to contend with um so we got to pick a little bit of that up um one way they got us to immerse in the culture was we had a week staying in Amper Hod which is on the outskirts of Chiang Mai very rural um and there was a lot of people that um were were from hill tribes that were living in the villages there so they actually partnered all the students up with a local um child from the village school and we went to to live with them and their family um and got to see their way of life and it was quite even different to an urban thai way of life because um because it was really it was a bit of a mixture of hill tribe culture as well so okay. it was quite interesting i went with one of the mothers of the girl the mother of the girl i was living with and we went picking um kaimodeng the red ant eggs oh, okay. to, and she was going to sell them um to restaurants in the area and things like that um so yeah i think we just immersed us and then when we were in chiang mai we just immersed ourselves in the culture by you know shopping at the local markets um doing any activities in in Chiang Mai and and trying to make local friends and making friends with other students oh, okay so the, uh, how did that go i mean because that's another thing right because they they are they taken aback by your ability to speak thai at this point or or is that like so welcomed oh thank yeah, god she I speaks think... thai like What, yeah, what it can be a real mixture, actually. I think sometimes 
people aren't expecting Thai to come out of your mouth as a foreigner. Um, so they're not really listening to you because they're just not expecting it. Um, so they find that it's hard to put together. But as soon as they know that, oh, you can speak Thai, it does kind of, it breaks um, any barriers down. They feel relaxed. And it was so nice, actually, to um, get that reaction from people that they were, they were pleased that we had uh, made the effort to learn to speak their language. And you got to, you get to know a lot more about people and their culture when you can speak the language. Um, so, yeah, it was a great kind of entry in, into local life and things like that. So I was reading your bio, actually, the one that you have on your website, and it says that you got your own Thai nickname as well. Did, did that? Who gave you this nickname? Yeah, that was my beloved uh, teacher, my um, Ajahn Ubonrat at um, at Mochor University. So I think they really just gave us Thai nicknames um, based on what our actual name sounded like. So my name's Grace and Luke, okay, meaning raisin. That's what I was designated. And I, I'm fine with that. Like, I actually used it quite a bit then. I think Thai people found it quite amusing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's another thing that breaks the ice pretty nicely. Uh, some some uh, some people are like, why don't you just get a Thai nickname? They'll, 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 they'll actually laugh about it. And then you can uh, talk about other stuff after that. So it is I'm, a conversation starter, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm in the I'm in the hunt for a Thai nickname. So if you think of one, you let me know. All right. Because uh, sure. I got to keep my eyes open for this. It's been a couple of years here, but I still haven't found anything that I quite attached to right now. So let's see. We'll have to think about that. Yeah, I think you might need a Thai person to give you one because I think you need that um, Thai sense of yeah. humor or, or their intuition. Uh, one of my um, sh fellow students um, at Chiang Mai Uni, he had like really curly hair. So yeah. his Thai friends called him Muyong, like pork floss. Oh, yeah. Because his hair looked <laughs> like pork floss. Nice. Um, so, yeah. That's cool. So, uh, so you went, you got back, you got done with a year in uh, Chiang Mai and you went back to Leeds to complete your degree. Um, what happened with, uh, with your education after that? Did you get to pick something else that you were going to study or, or did you do some work in the, in the meantime after you graduated with your BA? So I was really fortunate at the time when I graduated in about 2009-2010, um, the Royal Thai Embassy in London actually had formed quite a strong relationship with the Thai Studies Department at Leeds Uni and they were offering scholarships um, for um, UK students to study um, a master's by research. Um, so I actually applied for that and I was fortunate enough to get one of the scholarships. Um, so I went straight into doing a master by research um, with the Uni of Leeds, but with support from the Royal Thai Embassy, which was brilliant. And I also did a short um, internship with them down in London and I got to live opposite Hyde Park in central London, which is brilliant. Wow, that sounds really nice. Yeah. Uh, so what, what what is this like... Uh, uh, master degree by research what does that mean so you had to write a thesis sure. yeah so it is slightly different to a taught master's um some people maybe compare it to m more of a phd where you have to do research and find original findings and write a thesis of thirty thousand words so we did a we did two months in leeds learning um research methods and then we went out into the field to thailand and we did the research and then we came back and we wrote um, th the 30,000 word thesis and then did a, um, a spoken um, oral viva presentation. Right. Yeah. The, the thesis yeah. defense is it's known in some places as well. Right. Yeah. Where they, the committee asks you questions and stuff like that. Yes. Wow. You get grilled. Yeah. I got that coming up soon. So <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. I'm going to need it. Uh, it's been a while yeah. since I've written a nice big thesis. But uh, to, what was your thesis topic about, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. So I studied um, domestic tourism in Thailand because that is quite a huge phenomenon. A lot of people think that all tourists that contribute to the Thai economy are f from abroad, but actually Thai people visiting their own country, domestic tourism is actually a huge share of the tourism market. 
Um, so I looked at domestic tourism trends and I focused on a place called Ampawa. I don't know if you've been the floating market. Uh, no. I haven't. So it's not very far from Bangkok if you want to take a day trip. Yeah. So this was an ancient market um, hundreds and hundreds of years ago where people when they didn't really use road transport. So people would trade food and goods by water on the boats. And then when the introduction of motorized vehicles and roads um, came about, the market kind of died out. But then the local mayor um, wanted to revive the town. So he revived the floating market, but more as a tourist attraction for people from Bangkok and other places. So for other Thai people. Um, And it was my thesis was quite a study on the theme of nostalgia in domestic tourism. So the main people going to this old market were people that were used to going to the mall on a Saturday, but then they would, you know, crave some of the old way of life of Thailand. So they would go to the market and, you know, experience how things used to be. And it's just a beautiful town with lots of wooden um, buildings, buildings, So it's quite symbolic of yesteryear in Thailand. Wow. I had no idea that it was revived. I thought it was always there. Like it was always the floating market. That's kind of like what always happens in this. Like I uh, I know of the the location. It just didn't seem very interesting to me personally. Uh, But uh, I did know A, that it was actually brought back and B, that actually at one of the real target groups here was not the international tourist, but the local tourist. Uh, oh, it is. Wow. Yeah, they're the people that are spending the money and going all the time, Thai people, for sure. Perhaps it didn't 100% die out because the Klong, the canals are all still there. And maybe some people did sell on boats, but it was 100% revived for tourism as well. So what what what, what is the time period we're talking about here? When did, when did the, let's say, unofficial closing of this market happen and when did it get revived again approximately in your opinion oh you are testing me here Sid because I wrote this thesis like uh, 10 years ago but I'd say it was when so when roads became more commonly used in Thailand it was about that time um when the markets the water floating markets kind of died out more um so I guess maybe a hundred years ago. Okay. And then it came, it sort of came back uh, sometimes in the last few few decades. Yeah. So let's say 20, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. I haven't got all the figures, um, the dates, sorry, because I haven't looked at that thing for so long, but it's, yeah, it's more of a recent thing really. Okay. All right. So it it had just like you had just started studying, you had started studying it, but it had just been a few years since it came back in full effect, basically. Yes, it was quite recent in the last few years. It had, it was, it had boomed and it was like a huge hotspot. Wow. I, I mean, it's fascinating because this is the stuff that you can't, you can't possibly know this as a foreign tourist or even as a, a expat living here. You just kind of, uh, you always told, take things as they are, but really there's always a there's a story behind everything you know and uh, what i found fascinating personally in the last few months is understanding how domestic tourism is uh, in thailand is uh, sort of promoted and not just by the local government or by the local uh, city or town that has the attractions but by the federal government as well or the, the central government as well because uh, they rely on tourism so much that they 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 actually have lots of programs to get people to spend and travel within within Thailand itself. Do you have any knowledge of this? Like some of these initiatives and things like that? I guess Ampua is one for sure. And I mean, yeah, I think to, to, to the Tourism Authority are always promoting um, regional attractions because it's a lot it's a lot more affordable to travel in your own country That's so right. why not get people to tra- travel within the country thailand is such a, a huge and beautiful and 
um, varied country. So why not celebrate it? And I think Thai people are really proud of their country. And I think they feel quite comfortable traveling within Thailand. They can speak their language. Um, they like to learn learn about where, you know, places locally. They've got their own delicious food because, you know, you can't really compare the food anywhere else. So why not go and enjoy it in your own yeah country and maybe there's a local there's a there's a regional delicacy that you like that you want to go there and try it as a local thai i mean that would be one of my favorite things to do i would definitely like think about that i would uh, like i love khao soy so i think i'm going to do like a little khao soy trail when i go to the chiang mai province i'm not limiting myself to chiang mai because i'm sure there's like tons of nice spots all around so yeah that's a good idea yeah so and you, kong fag is a really popular thing so you oh, know yeah. when people buy buy gifts so if you've worked in a thai office and someone's yeah, gone away yeah, for yeah. the weekend they've brought the local delicacy delicacy back oh, so i think true, thai yeah. people are big foodies aren't they so they, they like are to go absolutely and especially when they go back to um so i've worked in an office before uh in a thai office before to be specific i've worked in offices before but a thai office before um and uh, my thai coworkers especially if they are from outside bangkok and they go to a to go home to their home uh, province they usually return like with a ton of snacks and they're like oh i come from the south so i got all these snacks from the south or i'm from here so i got all these snacks from here and uh, yeah that actually is a is a whole thing and that's pretty interesting as well uh, i actually found out a few more things about domestic tourism lately but i need to like figure out a little bit more about it in terms of uh, sometimes they get given uh, Thai citizens get given uh, breaks on taxes or get given special programs which we, with which it can buy like tickets that can they can get rebates on the taxes to if they fly to certain places. I think this is a new thing that's been going on over the last three or four years. So that's something I'm definitely going to look into for the future as well. Uh, but so. Let's get back to you, though. You finished now your master research, master by research about um, domestic t- tourism in Thailand. What's what? What comes next on your journey? Yeah. So after that, I uh, flew back to Thailand um, to work after the master degree, and um, I actually applied um, for. There was a role at City Life magazine in Chiang Mai, um, which is the Um, most famous English publication um, in the north and it's pretty famous throughout the country I would say it's been going a long time um, run by Pim and so I got a deputy editor role there and I went back to do that okay so did you have a beat did you cover anything specific or were you were you just uh, were you in the editorial position so you were just editing materials editing articles and yeah stuff. so it was such a, an amazing job actually there was loads of perks um because i got to go and re- review quite a lot of restaurants oh, and hotels <laughs> yeah i love that and then so try all the dishes and then write an article um and there wasn't i wasn't covering a specific um kind of topic so it was a bit of everything so i would also get to write my own stories as well um so trying to find interesting topics in the area, which there are plenty. So I wrote um, one article was actually about alcoholism in Thailand, um, about staying sober or, or getting drunk in Thailand, because that's quite a big issue, um, you know, especially in expat communities. Um, so I did an, an, uh, an article about alcoholism and I visited a rehab centre Um and spoke to local expats. I also did an article about the Vietnam War veterans. So there was lots of ex-US um, Army that had served in the Vietnam War that were based in Chiang Mai. Um, so I interviewed them as well. So, so yeah, and then also we would cover, you know, new stories, new places that were open. So there were some serious and some lifestyle topics, really. Wow. I, I, I mean, it's always interesting to hear that, but it's it's always more interesting for me because I've studied journalism and I, I've you know, worked as a journalist in various fields. It's it, I find it interesting because uh, it's not that it's, it's it's rare to hear how people just kind of stumble into it and then grasp it and make that their 
uh, area of expertise and knowledge. So you became a Chiang Mai local journalist, basically. And you, while you knew what you were signing up for, you probably had no idea what it was going to turn into, right? Yeah, I saw the job advertised on Facebook um, and I had loved the City Life magazine because that's when it was actually in print. Uh, now it's mainly online. Um, and I just loved like, because it was a, a full glossy magazine. And then I saw this advert come up and I was like, oh my God, I would absolutely love to do that job. It's like living in this amazing city, working in a creative role. Um, so I think I was hired because perhaps I can speak Thai so it was and then my background or education um so because most of the team there are Thai so the, the language helped so yeah it was a great experience and yeah got to learn a lot more about the history of Chiang Mai as well once we did an episode about the iconic restaurants that had been there or places that had been there for a long time and got to go and interview the owners about the history and it was fascinating that sounds great uh how long were you at the magazine for though like a year and a half two years three years about or? that yeah yeah year and a half yeah so what what uh came up that changed this for you like so then I um, got offered some work in Bangkok. And even though I love Chiang Mai, me and my friend, um, sometimes we were kind of wanting a bit a bit more going on. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're quite young, you're ambitious, um, you want to try new things. So Bangkok was the next step. Um, but I absolutely loved Chiang Mai. And I, you know, I had such a great experience there. And, and City Life magazine actually does quite a lot for local issues um, and local causes. Um, so it's a really good voice of the people, to be honest. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of move to the big city. Let's take a break from the episode to talk about Thai Pod 101. Thai Pod 101 is an innovative way to learn Thai. Through their mobile app, desktop app and website learn thai anytime on any device of your choosing start speaking thai from your very first lesson and learn in minutes with 3 to 15 minute lessons in audio and video formats there are new free lessons every week so you can build your vocabulary and knowledge and become a pro in no time at all sign up for a free lifetime account with thaipod 101 today but that's not all Save 25% on any paid program you wish to purchase from Thaipod 101 by going to the URL thaipod101.com slash coupon slash brood in Bangkok. That's right. That's the name of the show. So support us and learn Thai today by using this coupon code and purchasing a program of your choice. We leave a link in the description below and we really think you should go and check it out. And now back to the show. Okay, so you've got your move then. Where? What was that about? Where did you end up going? So, yeah, I worked for a short time in luxury travel for an American company. And then whilst I was there, I actually um, started to do a little bit of work for the Thai, box, the Thai amateur boxing team. So I started to work for the Thai... Olympic boxing team so this isn't Muay Thai though a lot of yeah. boxers had come from Muay Thai yeah. it was western boxing, boxing right yeah yeah so boxing that's in the Olympic Games yeah. so I started to work for the international relations department um and that work started to become quite heavy so I ended up leaving the the travel job and I worked for the boxing full-time okay and I also got asked to do some TV work. Um, so I started to do a little bit of TV presenting in Thai and English. So my main job was working in international relations for the amateur boxing team and then doing some freelance TV producing and presenting. So it was it had some amazing opportunities really down there. Uh, so this just, uh, how did you manage to get into into tv all of, or after all of this that seems like a now a different whole different tangent huh sure it was actually through the um women learning thai and some men too 
okay. website um, by Catherine Wentworth. So basically, Catherine had interviewed me on that website, which is, you know, it's celebrating foreign people learning Thai and asking what their story is. And I think she uh, knew that I could speak Thai and was in Bangkok. Um, and she'd interviewed um, Luke, who was also a TV presenter. Um, and they were looking for a female um foreigner that could speak Thai for their TV program. So Catherine put me in touch with them. Okay. That worked out pretty well, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was, I was like, wow, just got this phone call asking to be on TV and things. And it was it was really exciting. So the, pro- the program we did was called Farang Pok Pok, which was about foreigners going to live on homestays with Thai people and living their way of life. Um, and it wasn't glamorous particularly. But yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. Okay, so what are the kind of homestays that you got to get go to? Like, anyone sticks out for you? Any any standout yeah. favorites? So we went to um, Pakret, um, which is not too far from Bangkok. We stayed on a homestay there, um, where we went to see them making um, pottery, which they're famous for, and um, from the clay, the local clay, and they were also making Thai dessert, so we got to go in, in the Thai dessert factory, which and it was all made with egg yolks, so there okay. were these huge vats of egg yolks everywhere, and then we also <laughs> went to this guy's place who was raising shrimp, and obviously they eat a lot of shrimp in Thailand, so yeah. we were seeing a shrimp farm feeding the shrimp, um, living in the wooden house by the water, yeah, it, it sounds like a different world, honestly. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I can see all these things in my local department store or grocery store. But I have no idea how they're made. No idea. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see it at the source, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my I, I wasn't very good when I did that program. And um, if I'd have done it two or three years later, I'd have been much better. But really? I tried my best. So how, how how did it get better then? Like how how did it take go up a level in those three years? What what made you? What got you there? It just did over time, as time is you know as a natural. Um, impact so over time you would become more confident you would learn more vocab you would learn more sentence structure and just become used to speaking in Thai every day so when I was so yeah it just it just got better over time really okay. uh, like most skills do with practice yep. and you know when I was living in Thailand I was using my Thai you know 70% of the day because all the jobs I had there were working with Thai people I wasn't working in a school with loads of other westerners or english speakers I was always working with Thai people so was quite immersed in all that Okay, uh, that's, I mean, it's not a secret, but I thought maybe you had one, a secret technique to get even better. It's just time and listening and not being afraid. And then I think for the accent, you know, you have to, you have to just forget your whatever accent you have and you have to impersonate the Thai accent. However funny that that might feel at first with all those tones or nasal sounds, you've just got to copy them really. I mean, that's the best way to get it done. There's no yeah. way they can tell you how to get to sound like them. You just have to kind of do it on your own, on your own time as well. So, okay. the, uh, so now you've got a really broad set of skills going over here and you're doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, when did you consolidate it all? Did you have to make a choice or did you say, okay, there's a lot happening and I am, you know, I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. So, yeah, you're right. I did do quite a wide range of jobs in Thailand and I didn't and I don't think there was one particular route that I wanted to go down. So I kind of did a bit of everything and and it worked and I really enjoyed it and I managed to balance it. Um, So so there was media and then there was the international relations, I guess, with the boxing. Um, So I really enjoy being a liaison between the two cultures and two languages with Thai and English. Um, And that's what kind of, I guess, that allows me to, um, that's where my skills can can really, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I I think that's where I feel comfortable. It emphasizes emphasizes what you've learned and done and experienced, right? Yeah, because I can kind of understand both uh, languages and both points of view and cultures so I can um, be a good crossover between the two. 
yeah, for sure. So is that what then you realized, okay, I, I, I can be this kind of person, the liaison, the conduit, the, the joiner of things. Was that yeah, like, I enjoy uh, that. What, is that something you still do? So, yeah, my most recent project um, in Thailand has been working on The Cave, um, which is a movie about the wild boar football team that got stuck in the cave in Chiang Rai. Um, so I worked as assistant producer on that film and I was looking after, a, um, there was a big foreign cast. So I was taking care of them, looking after VIPs um, and making sure everyone was in the right place at the right time and everyone was looked after. So I think that used my liaison skills as well. Okay. So this is uh, this incident was a global global incident or a global story. Uh, and it was one of those where you, you were doing whatever you were doing in the day and the, the update would come and you'd frantically click on it and see... Okay, what's happening? Where are these boys? Are they out? Have they found them? And uh, the the whole thing with the cave divers and it was absolutely a fascinating story, and it, was, it had the potential to be a very heartbreaking story. But it absolutely turned around and became this life affirming thing of yes, <laughs> the world is good after all because we got these kids out. And uh, were you in the country at that time? No, I was actually, I was in the UK. So I was watching it all unfold on the news. Um, And when there was the news about the Thai Navy SEAL who died, I was really touched by that. I was really upset by that, you know, because I thought he has a family and I I was quite worried for the the whole mission. Um, But then it was amazing to see people from all around the world and lots of different people in Thailand as well come together to help these boys. Yeah, it really was. And uh, we were here, I was here uh, through this, uh, through, while this whole thing was developing. And it was it was so many things. I, I can't even explain the timeline because I don't even know. It was such a blur. Although it unfolded over such a long period of time, actually, if you think about it. Like in real days, it took some time. But uh, it was just a pendulum. Like the emotions just swung one way to the other. Like you said, when, the, when the, uh, one of the divers passed away, uh, things looked f- very bleak. Uh, you could tell, like, in public spaces, people were were kind of, like, not quite all there. And then suddenly when the news broke that, okay, they, they got the first first boy out of the cave using the, the, the equipment and stuff like that, um, it, it, it was like a New Year's countdown. Like, when is, when is this all going to come out tops? And there's a lot of people who are just, you know, crossing their fingers and hoping for the best. And when it happened, I think all kinds of people texted me. And they're like, I can't believe this happened. I'm just so happy. So uh, this movie must, must have been great to work on because you got to bring this story to life, right? You got to see it up close. Sure, it was a, a miraculous, literally it was a miracle, um, a miraculous event and it did touch um, the hearts of Thailand and the rest of the world. I think everyone was on the edge of their seat. Um, so this movie, um, yes, it's, it celebrates the unsung heroes. Um, obviously there was, you know, the main divers got a lot of press and what they did was completely, you know, they really did risk their lives. But this, so this, um, story, this movie, it celebrates those divers as well as lots of other people that perhaps weren't, um, you know, that it wasn't broadcasted that also helped and put themselves out, um, to help in the rescue. Um, so the, I guess the protagonist or one of the main characters that this the movie, the cave by Tom Waller, director Tom Waller, um, produced is um, is Jim Warney. So he's an he's a Belgian Irish diver. Um, he actually rescued the coach. So Tom, the director of the cave, actually went to meet him in Ireland and interviewed and did a lot of research with him um, about his story and and then wanted to make it into a movie. And Jim actually plays himself in the film. Um, 
so yeah, he's he, so he's an electrician based in Ireland whose hobby is cave diving, and he's gone now. They've just done a a, um, a world tour with the all the film festivals, and so now he's gone to like speaking at all these events, and he's gone to a bit of a celebrity, really. That's so um, impressive. Like, yeah, just I'm an I'm an electrician in Ireland, but I like cave diving, and uh, I've saved saved a, a whole bunch of people and like. Uh, made a miracle happen that's I, I i mean i don't even know what to say he's gotten and he's gotten to take this movie and meet the other people who have, who then get to see the movie and talk to him that's yeah uh, exactly that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. quite a few people played themselves in this film um so it was a mixture of actors and and then the the, the real people so i actually got to meet quite a lot of people that were involved in the rescue and it is really amazing how people do put their lives at risk and all these people have their own families and that you know when you look at the cave complex the diagram of how tight the passages were um and obviously there was a fatality it's the bravery of these people is really really remarkable you know for someone they've never met before but they're willing to put it all at risk they all spent a lot of their own money on equipment and flights there was british cave diving associations that had a whole um organization here getting equipment you know loads of people um put loads of their own time and money in into this rescue and there was lots of thai people that helped as well so i don't want to spoil the film for yeah, you yeah, yeah. But it's like okay shall i just like stop no now? no no it's fine we'll it's it. fine like it sounds it sounds so fascinating uh, and we people want to see this story that's the that's the overriding feeling i think i get from people and uh I wasn't actually uh, aware of the movie coming out until recently. So um, it's going to be out in cinemas in Thailand on uh, November 21, which I think by the time everyone hears this, it should already be out. Um, where, w what are some of the avenues that people can find it in? Or is it just right now slated to be in, in cinemas and then we'll see? So it's on a F... Um, sorry, the film is on at SF Cinemas. Okay. And yeah. if you do a quick Google search at what's on at your local cinema or, you know, in Bangkok or wherever you are in Thailand, you'll probably find it. Okay. All right. Uh, so this movie, how long did it take to, like, make and finish, like, with it your involvement? It was rapidly, least? actually. Yeah. Really quickly. Because, so the event happened... Um, I think it was it was summertime, so it was I think it was like July um, last year. Yeah, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, exactly. So, and then the film's out now in in um, November two thousand nineteen. So it's it's just over a year really from the whole event unfolding to the film being released. Okay, that's it, that is pretty quick, but I think that they're just trying to make sure that people remember what what actually transpired here and it's still fresh in the minds right yeah uh, exactly okay so this isn't actually the first film you've been uh involved in though you've been helping out with uh, foreign films in shot in thailand before is that correct no, all the TV work um, that I did in Thailand was um, was Thai productions. Okay, all right. So it was, and, and this film is actually a Thai production because oh, okay. the company is Thai and the director is um, is part Thai, part Irish. So it, this is a Thai by a Thai company, and all of pretty much all the crew were Thai. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Otherwise, I would have looked pretty stupid here. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, there um, is lots of rumors and talk of, of big um, Hollywood uh, movie companies making films about the cave, buying the boys' story and things like that. But we are the first to do it. So it's brilliant. Uh, that is true. So, yeah. it, this, the, the, so this is a Thai production. Uh, and how did, how, how, would you, how did you get called into it? Like, was it through your TV work, I'm guessing? Like yeah, through, got... through my experience, and then I'd known Tom for quite a long time, and we'd kept we'd always kept in touch. And um, I think he said, "Oh, he'd, he'd always like me." He suggested that I could help with 
picking actors up from the airport, you know, because I can make them feel comfortable when they arrive in Thailand. And I said, do keep me in mind for any projects. Um, right. I think I read about him in, in The Guardian that he was rumoured to be making a movie. Um, and then we ended up m meeting in London. Um, and then he basically said to me, how quickly can you fly out there? Um, and then I was, yeah, so that was quite a, yeah. a, a nice offer. I don't, so I I don't imagine there. that okay. it took, took much convincing for you to get out. No, no, again. Yeah. no. And I run my own business, so I'm quite flexible. So I can do projects like that. Um, okay. So, yeah, so I went out there in November last year. Um, and then the filming was quite short, really. You know, it was only about three months. And then they were into the editing phase. And now it's been released. Yeah, that is an impressively quick turnaround. Uh, so what what were the other kind of projects that you worked on in Bangkok? Like what what did the city finally like what are the kind of avenues that the city opened up for you or what you found for yourself? So I worked on voice TV for a while um, and we did um, talk in Thailand, um, which was a program about all about things going on in Thailand. But it was in the English language Um so that was quite interesting. Um, and then also when I worked in the boxing, I got to do um, quite a few uh, big competitions. So I went to quite unusual places like Kazakhstan and took all the Thai boxers over there, helped them get their visa and accommodation, everything there, and kind of looked after them while they were on um, on tour there. So I, I got to travel quite a lot through the boxing role, actually. Um, so we'll be going to meetings in Korea or Taiwan, uh, Bulgaria, Turkey. Um, so, yeah, I lived. it was quite an exciting time, really. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, I uh, covered boxing, I covered a few boxing events before, and there is quite a lot of people that are involved in making all of this stuff happen, you know. And it's, it's easy to forget that this is, a like any sport, a very human endeavor. So it's not just you can schedule something and it'll happen. It requires a lot of, of uh, cooperation, you know, and a lot of planning and, and understanding each other. So that, that must have really helped you as a manager as well, like to learn how to do new things and like how to get people to get excited or to, to complete tasks like on time, I guess. Would you say so? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I love working with people that I really do. And I think I'm quite good at speaking to people from different backgrounds. And um, yeah, I feel quite comfortable uh, meeting new people. Um, boxing was, again, it, that was something that I, I didn't really know much about. Um, but I was kind of enlisted through the International Relations Department because um, to improve the relationship with Aibar, which are like the FIFA of boxing. So they're yeah. like the authoritative body. Um, after the, the Olympics in London, um, I think a Thai boxer had lost. And I think, you know, the relationship wasn't as good um, with the governing body. So they wanted to really improve international relations. Um, so, yeah, I was introduced to this whole new world of boxing. And it's quite a tough world. And sports can be, you know, it can be subjective and it can be quite controversial. And I wasn't really privy to this before entering this world. Um, but the boxers were great to work with. They'd come from pretty humble beginnings. Um, and some of them were really making a name for themselves, making money, building houses for their families back in the provinces. So it was great to see that. And they were actually, because I think some sports are a little bit different in Thailand to how it is in the UK. So often um, business people or fans of the sport will also um will sponsor teams and, and help them out. They get, the government will help and then they'll get sponsors from elsewhere as well. So I was working with um, people from uh, PTT who were quite involved um, in supporting the boxing. So I met people from all walks of life, literally. Like, yeah, yeah it was yeah, fascinating. That's pretty great. So uh, I guess these were the, kind of the scope of the projects here in Bangkok. Did you did you move around a lot? Did you stay in any particular area over here, or did 
did you? So live? I lived in my last time. Mainly, I lived in Prakanong area. Um, but when I lived there, it wasn't as happening as it is now. Like that area has transformed in the last five years. Yeah. So when I was there, it was a bit run down. I had a beautiful apartment, but it was kind of cheaper because there wasn't there was nowhere to eat. There was a max value shop, and a Seven Eleven, and maybe one restaurant and now Prakanong has got all sorts all the old buildings have been demolished there's a few malls and lifestyle yeah outlets so it's definitely a desired place to live now I mean it's cheap enough yeah. for a young person to go and like still enjoy life and have some stuff around and I think that's what's going to happen at Bangkok is it's just going to continue radiating outward till everyone stops it <laughs> like um, sure. so. And it's the same in London because they talk about like the gentrification of yeah. areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it can be, it can have some negative impacts because it can outprice local residents. Yeah. Um, when all these young professionals come in who have, you know, a big disposable income to spend on rent and things like that. So I think it's about managing and making sure local people who have to work in these businesses, you know. Yeah. Um, so they or people that working in hospitals and what have you, that they can afford to live nearby where they work as well. Okay, so did you encounter any such stories in Prakanon? Like any people that you knew that, you know, maybe you stuck up a conversation like, oh, it's getting more expensive to live here or just generally had an opinion about this? Um, not so much. I guess a lot of people would probably welcome the development and the new opportunities there. Um, but yeah, I guess this is the thing when areas become popular, the people that are working there in the lower paid jobs, they can't afford to, to live there. So they, they get, they get marginalized. Okay. I think that's an international problem, really. Yeah, it's happening to everybody in every town, pretty much. Any town that's growing bigger or any city that's growing bigger is feeling the same same way. So uh, now you, you run your own business. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So I've yeah. got a virtual assistant agency. So I started doing this three years ago, um, working as a virtual personal assistant for entrepreneurs. So it can be helping them with their business, whatever it may be. Um, and um, so it can be, you know, traditional PA tasks like research, organization, or it could be writing content for them, managing their social media um organizing events for them things like that so I started that and then I got very busy and I enlisted the help of two other um self-employed virtual assistants and then since then my business has grown I've got a team of 10 now and we've got um over 20 different clients in different industries that we that we help um you know help take the the jobs that we help them have more time and because con- you know when you run a business you can't do everything you have yeah. to wear so many hats and there's you've to grow you really have to hand off some of some of those uh, tasks yeah that's that sounds uh, like a lot of uh, growth in a very short period of time uh, how this is, is it uh, targeted to like any specific country or do you have like uh, you accept anyone any client from anywhere in the world so most of our clients actually are are in the uk um and that's just the way it's happened but um i have worked for people in the us and europe before and i think it's amazing the um the magical world of entrepreneurship and online working that the World Wide web permits um because because of the internet you know there's just infinite possibilities of of the way we can work and it has completely changed the way people work. And I think because of the internet, so many people are doing their own business um, and having outsourcing help can help them grow and bring additional skills to their team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, anyone, you need, you need time and you need a lot of people to work in different facets. So I guess this is a service that absolutely must make sense. And uh, even if, uh, you've moved back though to the UK is what I understand. You moved back, but even then you still have the odd odd job or odd uh, project over here in Thailand. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. So I'm 
very lucky that I've been able to build a business which um, gives me the flexibility to also do freelance projects, which are in line with my personal interests and passion. So that's like using my tie um, and, and what I learned at Union and my time living there. So, yeah, so I'm quite lucky, really, that I've, I've got this business as my kind of bread and butter income. And I really love what I'm doing. Um, but I also can do projects in Thailand and, and still run my business from there because the Internet's in Bangkok's probably even better than the UK, you know. Yeah. What a great place to run a business it, in Thailand with all the um, amazing facilities and infrastructure. That's absolutely true. I mean, the infrastructure is something that they always spend time and money on, and uh, honestly, it it it's it always it seems to always pay off. I have to be very uh, uh, complimentary here in this point of view. But uh, you'll always you'll always see new things, though, right? Like even even with the new projects, do you see new even newer avenues for you beyond now television and movies? and maybe something else. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite open to all different um, opportunities. Um, and I am looking at a few different um, Thai-related projects myself at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite excited about that. Um, but I, I'd like to use my um, language more um, to really just to connect with the story of Thai people and maybe and share that with um, with with English speakers, really, because I think language can be such a barrier, but when you can speak the language, you can find out so much more. So I'm quite interested in those kind of research projects and collaborating with other people as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. The collaboration always suffers if there's no common ground and usually it always has to be English for some reason. I think it's the the reason is though no, none of the English speakers really learn Thai, uh, and I think that that could be a very interesting uh, place for you to be at, generally, just to change the way that operation works or that collaboration works. It's not not English second uh, first and Thai second. It's, it might actually even be the other way around. Uh, so where can people find how find you and find these lovely services? that we've been discussing today sure so people can find out more about me on my website which is graceRobinson.org. um i'm also on facebook um, and instagram though that's a bit more personal yeah. um so yeah my site mainly okay awesome is there anything that you want to tell a future grace robinson a student who's just getting into studying uh, a foreign country's language and culture yeah, I would say go for it. I mean, some people might think, you know, you're, you, you're learn, putting all this time and investment into learning quite an unusual language, which is only really spoken in one country in the world. I mean, I know in Laos, it's kind of, there's some similarities to yeah. Thai. Um, but, and you know, some people might say, oh, it's more valuable to learn Chinese or Spanish because it's more widely spoken. But for me, that wasn't where my heart was. And I think learning Thai has, even though it's, it is very niche, but I still have had some amazing opportunities from it and I continue to do so. And I'm just really glad that I did choose to study this um, slightly lesser known outside of Thailand language because um, it's, it's provided some really unique opportunities. So I would say, I would say go for it if that if that's what you're interested in. But at the same time, maybe um, combine it with some more generalized skills. So you might want to learn Thai, but you might want to do it with some marketing or journalism or business or science. You know, so language is great, but then have a bit of a, a, a backup skill or something else you can bring to the table. Yeah, it's sort of something you can apply your Thai with. You know, something yeah, that... or if you want to go back to your own country as well, you know, um, you do have to think about that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Thank you so much, Grace, for spending some time and telling us about this. Uh, the Cave uh, it will be out already. Go, go watch it in, in the SF City cinemas all over Thailand. And uh, yeah, if you need any further assistance, you can call Grace. And uh, she's definitely up for working from in more projects here in Thailand. So yeah, thank you for your time. 
Uh, thank you, Sid. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. You're a great interviewer. You're so relaxed. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we'll catch you, uh, catch you guys in the next one. And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. Until next time.